Welcome everyone, I am Felicia Day and this is The Witcher Unlocked, where Netflix Geek gives you an exclusive look into the shows you love. Today we're talking season two of The Witcher and what a season of storms it was. What does Destiny have in store for us? Well, we'll get reacquainted with our season one favorites. Yeah, you're about to try and kill my kid. <laughs> All right. What did you call me? As well as sitting down with the new faces of season two. I said to Lam, what the hell is that? And he was like, the basilisk, Corin. We're gonna be deep diving into the finale and discussing, oh yeah, that ending reveal with the showrunner herself. That conversation will all be laid into Blood Origin. And you're really getting spoiled today because we also have some deleted scenes to show you. What happened? Now, I dare say the time of the white chill is nigh. Before we venture further into the continent, be warned. Spoilers abound. Best tread lightly. Hmm? Let's kick everything off by looking at our heroes' journeys. We are sitting down with a cast of The Witcher to discuss where these beloved characters ended up in season two. Joey Beatty, the one and only who plays the beloved Bard Yaskir. Anya Chalotra, who plays the masterful sorceress Yennefer of Vangerberg. Freya Allen, also known as Princess Cirilla, or just Siri to her friends. And of course, the White Wolf, our Geralt of Rivia, Henry Cavill. Hello. Okay, welcome Witcher family. I literally got chills when I saw you all on screen together for the first time. Now you're in my chairs, I, there's chills again. <laughs> How was it to finally shoot scenes together? Henry, let's start with you. Uh, well, uh, most of the partnership was between Freya and I when it came to the season and enormously enjoyable. I mean, we had one very, very brief scene, season one. Yes. <laughs> and so it was nice to actually get into the Cirilla Garrett relationship. Um, a long journey, but an enjoyable one. Yeah. Freya? Yeah, I, I was really looking forward to it because we had one scene and also I, I swear like the majority of it got kind of cut as well yep. as an add-on. <laughs> so um, yeah, you know, it was so exciting. I was really intrigued to kind of see how we were gonna create this relationship between them because, you know, it's something that people are really waiting to see and is then, you know, known for becoming so close and like a father and daughter. So yeah, I just couldn't wait to like establish that. You absolutely accomplished it. It was it's a beautiful arc over the season. Anya and Joey, you got to work together as well. How was it? Finally. <laughs> Finally. <laughs> yeah, we did. I loved it. It's a hoot. Um, <laughs> no, also I got to work with uh, Siri. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, we developed a trust with each other outside. So I was really excited for this relationship because we, we hadn't, you know, worked together. We'd been, we, you know, gotten close in Budapest. We hadn't had that time and, and, and Eamon as well, you know. I mean. Yeah, I got a text from, from Anya, I think, when the scripts landed and we were just punching yeah. the air being like, we get to act Look together, this sequence. is so fun. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> it's wonderful. Charisma between you two is so great. Uh, to the White Wolf himself, Henry, it is just amazing to have you here. Let's talk about Geralt's relationship with Ciri. It's really the beating heart of the show. How has this bond changed Geralt as a character? Um, I'm not too sure if it's necessarily changed Geralt as a character. Geralt has um, an instinctual desire to protect, as we see in season one when he's telling Roach about the first monster he killed. Uh, he's talking about protecting someone against other people. Throughout his life, he has then 
try to fight this instinct, and ultimately the instinct ends up winning a number of times, and that ends up getting him into more trouble. So this is actually more like an unlocking for Geralt. It's, she's the key to allow him to really be who he has always wanted to be. Freya, you had an action-packed season. New family, new Witcher powers, mm -hmm. not so many runs through the woods. Mm -hmm. I don't know, were you disappointed in that? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was very relieved, yeah. It was long-awaited to get to finally actually, yeah, pick up a sword. Absolutely, and you were wonderful. Anya, Yennefer had a lot of difficult choices this season, especially after the loss of her magic, which I personally was very devastated about. Yeah, me too. Yeah. How imagine, did how, you... imagine how Nilfgaard felt. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> should see the other guy. They were literally <laughs> devastated. <laughs> how did you feel about the choices she made with regard to Geralt and Ciri? Oh, um... How do I feel about it? I kind of went through the motions, you know, with Yennefer, kind of moment to moment. Um, in hindsight, she made some rash decisions. But um, I think, you know, she didn't know, you know, how to deal with the brutality of the world without magic. So, you know, her decision to sacrifice Ciri um, was um, the right one in the moment. And that's the thing about this show is, like, there's no... I don't know, does it, it, it's up to the audience to kind of figure out what's right or wrong. And it, it, it's the beauty of kind of exposing so much of a character is um, you get to see why they make a certain decision. Uh, Joey, let's talk all things Yaskir. We see him with this fancy new alias this season, yeah. the Sandpiper. If we include Dan Lyon from the books, so what, you have like three names now? Yeah. Well, what's, what's that about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Lauren. <laughs> What's that about? Uh, yeah. how did I you think I'm going to get a new nickname per season. Oh, yeah? yeah. Okay. The yeah. knife will make it You're not allowed to pick them. <laughs> <laughs> how is it exploring a new side of your character this season? He's way more emotionally vulnerable this season. Uh, I think in season one, I was doing... So we, we were working so closely together and he had this like boyishness, like a joy in him, this kind of light to a lot of the, the darkness that you were just talking about, Henry. And, and it, he often felt like it was his job to brighten a room. And we get to see that desire kind of really tested in a, in a world that is incredibly dangerous. And for the first time in his life, he's, he's getting the bejesus kicked out of him. And he doesn't have his best friend to come and help him. And he's willing to put his life on the line to, to you know, finally do something good with his life, do something morally good. Yeah. And that was, um, that was the biggest treat for me. I got to see this textured, detailed character that Lauren was so keen to bring to the show. Yeah, but that scene where Geralt be comes to get Yaskir in the, in the jail. Like, that was just, so much fun to play. Oh, yeah. It was such a good scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, Freya, we really dig into Ciri's family tree this season. Um, obviously, Ciri doesn't know, but Freya, I would like to know your reaction to the big Emir reveal. Was that a jaw dropper for you? It was. Yeah, how far, <laughs> did you know about that that reveal in season one, or was that just like no, completely blindsided? No, wow. I didn't. To be fair, that gets revealed in the books right at the end. Yes. Yeah. And there's yes. no way that like that that we couldn't keep that a secret mm. for longer than two seasons. So Absolutely. I, I, it had to happen. We talked a lot about story and character, um, but I would really like to just touch upon the costumes because they were so incredible this season, and I would love to just hear how they were to wear. Uh, uh, Anya, why don't we start with you? Oh, yeah, well, I've got amazing, amazing costumes. Uh, I mean, whenever we start a season, um, I get to try them on, and I'm like, oh, wow, God, I can't wait to wear this, and it feels so good. And... Um, and then they're covered with mud. And <laughs> yeah. they're like <laughs> probably like 10 times heavier because I've, uh, I'm probably in an aqueduct. <laughs> um, so, yeah, 
they, they're not as fun to wear then. I mean, with all the physical stuff that we have to do and kind of how flexible we need to be with our bodies. Um, I, mean, don't, I don't really wear corsets as such, but I'm kind of sucked in to my costumes. So um, they're not as fun to wear, wear then. But Lucinda, the costume designer, you know, made sure that we did have room this season to kind of do everything that we needed to do. Everything was, you know, all the d demands of the show. So um, she's, she's brilliant. Yeah, she was amazing because she, um, like, really allowed me to... Because I had qu kind of quite a clear vision of what I wanted her main, like, witcher look to be. So I kind of wanted um, her to have this kind of rough, tomboy kind of feel to it. Like, she's just got scraps of clothes and put them together. But then, like, she also wears this kind of corset, which I think kind of added a femininity to it, um, which I think it kind of reflects the story in terms of Triss coming in and kind of her trying to embrace that side of her as well as this more kind of dirty fighter that she's also become. Um, so I kind of, yeah, I don't know, that was something that I really enjoyed, like, creating with her, and she really allowed me to, like, be a part of it, which was yeah, so Yeah, nice. that's fantastic. You got to kind of develop that for your character mm -hmm. and felt that Because I think it's really important, like, you're wearing them every day, yeah. and so you have to kind of feel like... It, it works for your character. Yeah, I can imagine a lot of people are going to be cosplaying that car that outfit because it is feminine, but at the same time tough. And yeah, it's really wonderful. Um, Henry, let's talk about Geralt's family. So we kind of meet his chosen family this season, the Witchers, Vesemir, Nenica. Uh, how would you like to explore this family moving forward? Is there anyone you particularly want to spend more time with? Um, it's It's a tricky one. Really, because and it's also tricky. I mean, defining them as chosen family. Nenica, I think, is is chosen, but being left at the doorstep of Kermoran and forced to become a witcher doesn't feel that chosen. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> um, technicality. <laughs> um, to be true to the books, I think there is uh, there's a chance to explore um, the Nenica relationship a little further. Um, of course, I would love to work with the witches some more, but it all depends on how much the story allows. I'm, I'm a huge fan of the books and staying loyal to them, and, and um, it's, it's about making sure that story happens without too much in the way of diversions or, or side things going on to, to muddy the waters. Geralt seems torn between two worlds this season. Um, he's got the brotherhood and fatherhood. How is he balancing his loyalty to the Witcher brothers and his role as series protector? Uh, yeah, we've sort of put in a bit of a tricky spot yeah. with that one. <laughs> um, it, it's it's definitely a fine line to tread. Um, I, I hope he manages it. I hope I hope we manage to convey it in a certain way. Uh, but he has made the decision, as I was saying earlier. Siri is this key to unlock this nature of who he truly is, and so he's going to hold on to that. And as a responsibility, he will he will take care of her even if his brothers want to kill her. Yeah. Which is quite extreme, a scenario. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least at the end of this season, it turns out, well, we don't know about future seasons, but that we'll get to that later. Uh, Joe, I'm, I'm hearing oh. all this and I'm like, sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> Who wants to kill me? <laughs> Not another person. <laughs> um, Joey, we get a sneaky reveal at the end of the season when we realize Dijkstra has been your benefactor mm. the whole time. I am really hyped at the thought of you sharing the screen with Graham McTavish and Cassie Clare. They are fabulous. 
Uh, do you see trouble for Yaskier in season three? I don't think we can... I think we have to assume he's going to be fairly constantly in trouble, uh, <laughs> no matter what and no matter who he's hanging out with. Uh, but uh, the, the idea of working with such amazing actors... I mean, I, I'm... I count myself so lucky that I get to turn up every single day and work with amazing actors anyway. And this family, this Witcher family, is growing ever bigger and ever stronger. And, and so, yeah, I love turning up and, and seeing what, what's coming. And, and I'm pretty sure that, that uh, I'm going to have to really work quite hard to hold my own if someone like Graham is going to be <laughs> acting opposite me. I probably just forget my lines and sit in marvelled awe at this man. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what, what comes. Yeah. You are brilliant. You will be perfectly matched. Oh, <laughs> see, he looks after Don't you. worry about that. Yeah, <laughs> and you're lovably disheveled, you know? Like, that's a lovable thing about Lovably disheveled. <laughs> can we... Can, I'm going to put that on my CV. Okay, <laughs> another T-shirt. <laughs> another T-shirt yeah, yeah, yeah. idea right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anya, Jennifer had a really tough time this season. She had to hang out with Kahir a lot. That must have uh, been kind of awkward character-wise. Uh, the show really lives in this wonderful gray area. So do you think the alliances with some of the antagonists of the series have kind of changed what she thinks about good and evil? Oh, uh, mm. good question. Hmm. Yeah, I think putting these two characters together was a very exciting choice. They've really challenged each other in so many ways. For Yennefer, her perspective definitely changes through this season. She matures a lot and, you know, definitely becomes less selfish because of the situation she finds herself in, kind of she's had to consider things more, like she's less kind of irrational um, without magic. And uh, yeah, she comes to a, a more selfless place at the end of this because of her, the new relationships in this season. Yeah, it's a beautiful arc. Now we're on Netflix Geeked, so let's talk about what you guys personally geek out about. Henry, let's start with you. Uh, specifically, which universe, or just... I mean, just anything. Oh, my goodness, here we go. Here well, how long have you got? You get so many, and I've got none. Yeah, like, I was like, how much time do we so have? I, I, listen, I'll sit here all day, listening. Uh, ruling out The Witcher. Yeah, no, okay. The Witcher. Okay. Um, I mean, the easy answer is um, Warhammer 40,000. That is my, my jam. Um, <laughs> I have been into it since I was 10. What's and, your army um, at the moment? Uh, custodies. Ah, yeah. I've, I'm, going, I'm going Necrons next to Necrons? Oh. OK, all right. Cool. Were you, we? into, yes. were you into this before, or is oh, this yeah. a new thing? Just, oh. Let's just assume that anything nerdy I've been doing for a good thing. Oh, wow, years. we could talk for hours. Yeah, no, so, yeah, this is, that, that's, that's my jam, and that's the stuff um, I, I do in my free time. That's amazing, amazing. Um, I'd love to see your, your armies, your collect. Do you paint them yourself? I do, yes. That's so yeah. cool. Yeah. Is see? it? That is weird. <laughs> it's is cool it? when they yeah, are. Cool. cool in I a like certain painting. world. I yeah. like painting. There you go. So it is, I, it I think is. I'd really so enjoy that. So think, I think you'd be surprised. Yeah, yeah it's I think I really, really would. So is that your geeky thing is painting? It could be. Yeah. Henry might get me onto it. Otherwise, it's... Um, oh, no. My geeky thing is probably cooking, like watching cooking videos. No, no, no. That's wonderful. Listen, I like watching <laughs> I know, people renovate houses. I don't care. I'm shameless. boring? I love cooking as well, so that's probably why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. about cooking. But the painting thing, you could bring some... This is what you need to do in your trailers on the off time during season three, you paint minis and you just get We don't get have what's off, off time. What's off time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> off time, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is, a, this is wow. an interesting concept. I like this concept, though. though. Yeah, should yeah. get some of that. Yeah, can we bake that into the schedule? Yeah, can we? <laughs> off time. It'll be like a lunch hour and then painting time. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Henry's painting time. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are you going to join them into paint or do you have a, another... Oh, I love painting. Yeah. See? Yeah. Oh, it's yeah, like you're my, brilliant. No, I actually genuinely love art, yeah. I do... I do... Geek out about that. Yeah, it's. I it's, was going to say Harry Potter, but yeah, oh, art well, sounds cooler. 
No, no, no. I mean, sorry, Harry Potter's great. It's it's way cooler. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. There's there's a bunch of people. I mean, it's a different kind of realm, isn't it? But I'm going to be definitely watching all of them at Christmas. I know. It's a a good one. You you Mm, have a Luna Lovegood quality. And she's my favorite character, Mm -hmm, so. mm -hmm. Okay, Okay, Witcher family, reading glasses on, because we are going to talk about the books. The source material behind the show, Andrzej Sapkowski's epic stories. Bookworms will know that Blood of Elves is the season's main reference, but we actually open with a short story, A Grain of Truth. Henry, you've been a fan of the Witcher universe for a long time. Mm-hmm. Was this a story you were excited to see? Uh, yeah, I, I, from the books, I, I really loved that story. It was a story of, of perspectives and uh, forced scenarios and um, senses of guilt and redemption. And it's obviously a subverted version of Beauty and the Beast, um, but done in such a masterful way in the books. There's so much nuance and so much complexity, and the answers are never quite what you think they're going to be. And your hero doesn't necessarily make the choices that you would make, but they are still potentially ethical and moral choices, and it's always up for discussion. That's why I say it's always about perspective. And that's what I loved about it in the book so much. It's, it's an extraordinary piece of writing. And what was it like to film along Christopher Hivew? Because he was... Absolutely the... amazing. Aww. I love that man. He such is, I mean, He's aside amazing. from being such an extraordinary energy, he is, he is just beautiful and an amazing talent. He was playing Nivellum in such a large character kind of way, but then right at the end when the curse is lifted, he busts out this Shakespearean performance and oh. it is beautiful. Oh. And it just, it just it shows the quality of that actor, that he can embrace this larger-than-life kind of fun character and then deep down he's still got this extraordinary soulful performance as well, which he's not trying to force upon anyone. He's not saying, no, 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 but wait, wait, wait I can do this. He's just waiting for his opportunity and then he's like, and here you go, ladies and gents. Yeah. And it's, he's an extraordinary man. And kind and intelligent and lovely to spend time with. Yeah, it was so funny um, shooting the scene at the table because it was just just us three and we've just got food just flying out of the sky. And you never know how it's going to land. So you can imagine that that was like like just completely absurd, really. Food everywhere. Yeah. Your reactions were so funny but Mm -hmm. so serious. It made you really love a character that you've you've seen running in the woods for a whole season. You're like, oh, she's really funny and charming. And it just really humanized Siri in a wonderful way. Yeah, it was really great. Freya, Siri and Geralt often spent more time apart than together in the books and in the series. Um, Was there a particular scene that you really loved Siri and Geralt being together for? Oh, yeah. Um, it was one that actually you said should be put in, right? The one in episode one where we're by the campfire at the end. Yeah. yeah, so that was Henry's idea to, like, have something there, which I think was such a good idea. And, like, honestly, that was that was one of my... I don't know, it was something... Something about it was, like, we... I don't know. I don't know what it was. We just connected. I mean, your performance is, is brilliant in that. It's absolutely stunning. But it's, I think we, we ad-libbed that most of that scene. They ended yeah. up cutting it as scripted anyway, yeah, yeah, but yeah. There, were, there was genuine feeling there. We were talking to one another as performers in character and there was real feeling. It was Geralt telling the story of he, he was being a, a paternal or fraternal figure in such a way that Siri felt safe despite the fact that they'd just gone through this horrible thing where terrible mistakes had been made and it could have gone so horribly wrong, but it felt honest and Wait, real. Which, what and... campfire scene are you talking about? Because I think I'm talking about a different one. The one right at the end of episode oh, one. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Same yeah. one. Oh, right, yeah. sorry. 
Yeah, Peter remembers it very differently. It all blends together. No, something you said made it sound like it was the one before. Sorry. No, it's, it's, oh, it's the first. We are talking about the same campfire. Yeah, it's the same campfire scene. I, you, you all win Emmys around every campfire. So many campfires. So many campfires. Some of them reshot as well. Yeah, exactly. I got lost in them all. Now, if you know the books, chances are you know the dear friend letters between Yennefer and Geralt. There are a moment of comedy that really sums up all the dysfunction of the relationship. They're very funny, but not very romantic. Uh, we don't see the letters in season two, but we do get a nice nod toward them. Let us take a look. Geralt, do you know what to do with this? Sorry. Siri. Sorry. This is my... You're so, you're so good in this. Yeah. Dear friend. So good. Dear friend. This is Yennefer. You're Yennefer? And you must be his child surprise. Oh, you're so mean. Yeah, to be fair, you don't really have much right to be pissed off. Exactly. <laughs> you're, yeah, you're about to try and kill my kid. <laughs> what did you call me? Uh, Anya, Henry and Freya, in the books, your characters have this very tricky relationship, as we saw, and in the show, it's the same. Um, Anya, you almost sacrifice his kid. You hold a knife to her throat. Like, um, how do you think they feel about Happy each... family. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Saturday night in my house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's just like Monopoly, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. uh, how do you feel like they feel about each other at the end of the season? But, oh, I don't know. It's a tricky one. I mean, it, it's a fairly extreme set of circumstances to come back from. Um, I think we're, yeah, we're going to have to play I with that a little bit. I think we'll have to figure that yeah, out we, in season three, to be honest. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, it's pretty extreme. Uh, it's so, it, it, it's, a, it's a tough one to forgive. It's going to take some, some real work and some, some nuance and some complexity. All to, right, uh, okay, I've got to work. work. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, Anya, where do you see your character going in season three and beyond? It's habitual, isn't it? She's, she's cowled and she's lived the kind of life she's lived and with, you know, the rules that she lives by and, you know, that's Yen and she doesn't trust nobody and it's going to be hard to just delve into a new way of being. Um, there are certain... She might have learned to consider things more, um, but in the moment, in such a kind of violent world, you know, you've kind of just got to look out for yourself as well. So, I don't know, it's going to be difficult. Yeah. I think whatever happens with, with the storytelling in season three, Anya's going to knock it out of the park. She is extraordinary with what she does it's with Jennifer. Yeah. The, the subtlety in her performance is, is mind-blowing. Like, you are top-notch. Yes, you're, and Yennefer get more screen time this season. Another great dynamic from the books. Mm -hmm. What's your favorite thing about working alongside Anya? Uh, well, I mean, to echo your thoughts, it's, I've, I mean, I think there was various different moments in one of our scenes where I forgot my lines, which is not, um, which is pretty rare for me because I, if I forget my lines, which is, I'm, I, I never do, but I tend to ad lib anyway and improvise and find my way back. But I was just in awe of your performance. And, and so I would quite often be so wrapped up in the way that Anya, Anya's stillness and, and, and often in the silences can do so much that I was just enraptured that I then went, oh, crap, it's me. It's my, it's my line. I'm supposed to talk now. And there was a couple of moments like that where I, I, it made me feel, made, reminded me how grateful I am to be working with just such amazing people because 
you know, that's why you get up in the morning, really. And uh, we got to have some... Uh, she's the only one I can't make laugh on set. <laughs> it's got to be said. Henry Corpse's drop of a hat. Yeah. <laughs> Really? And, uh, and we'll get his revenge on me and we'll yeah. make me corpse. But Anya's, when she's Yennefer, she's Yennefer and she's unbreakable, she's uh, indomitable. And, and that's so, season three, that's my, that's my objective. Yeah. I'm going to try and get <laughs> you to go. break. You're going to learn how to juggle. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a dream. It's a, it really is. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to, to season three and seeing how all of these, like, you know, this is the first time Siri and Yask have met. I mean, you know, two best pals have just made up and... And, yeah, where does weird Uncle Yaskia fit into this dynamic that you strange people have got going on? It's, it's going to be sure fun. I'm sure you're going to make me corpse. <laughs> for sure. Thank you for answering all of my nosy questions. Now let's treat the fans to a deleted scene. Mm. Oh. Yeah. Siri! Gerald. What happened? I saw it. Siri. Where is she? Just tell me where she is. She will destroy us all. I saw it. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. Oh, Anna's acting you off the screen there, Henry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's so good. Yeah, that really spooked me out. Why was that deleted? I know. I don't know. I couldn't. I so mean, many stories to tell. Yeah. To, to treat the Netflix geeked audience. You guys, um, as promised, that was the exclusive never before seen clip from season two. Um, it showed us the aftermath of Tris and Ciri's Doldusha, a spell intended to reveal Ciri's power that doesn't quite go as planned. Um, Freya, what did you do to Anna Schaefer? Because <laughs> that seemed very traumatic. Uh, yeah. What yes. did you do? Um, well, uh, she was strangled, and I did watch. But I was shouting for Geralt to come and help out. So I tried. Yeah, so it's his fault. Yes. Yes, where were you? <laughs> Always my fault. Henry, it's been great to see more of Geralt's relationship with Triss in season two. Although this scene didn't make the final cut, I imagine seeing Triss so upset had an impact on Geralt. How do you think he views Ciri's very scary power by the end of the season? Um, well... I think he's always known there's something special about her from the very beginning of the season. If she can, if she can see the future, then there's there's something which isn't just standard. She's not the standard young lady, and so I think it's a, a matter of just working out how how great a power that is. And the true development of Geralt this season is him being able to recognise that he can't do this himself. Um, he requires outside help and. And that's a wonderful reflection from the books when he wrote to Yennefer the dear friend letter. And um, that is where Geralt grows. He becomes this idea of going, uh, don't say that word, um, <laughs> darn. <laughs> I can't do this myself. And so I, I, need, to, I need to call upon um, all of my friends who can help. Before I say goodbye to all of you, one final question. Favorite moment filming season two and why? Let's start with you, Joey. Favorite moment? Crumbs. Um, I think it was probably actually like, what what sticks in my mind is my first day shooting after the pandemic. Just coming back, and I was uh, we were halfway up a mountain in the Lake District, and it was just the first time that I because you guys had done a bit of shooting before the hiatus, and then I, I was sitting around in my room for six eight months, and 
I don't know. It was a really, it was, it was a complicated scene, and there was an awful lot of dialogue, and I was just freezing my pants off in a in a lake in in the middle of January, or whenever it was. Um, Looking ripped. Uh, <laughs> Is that all you did? Sit ups the whole time? <laughs> I just didn't eat. Um, <laughs> it's not that hard. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was really, really fun because it was the first time I'd seen you in a while, and and it just felt like coming home again. You know, just all the pals and all, the, all your friends and colleagues that you've not seen in so long. It just, uh, yeah, that'll stay with me for a while. It was so wonderful. Anya, what was your favourite moment? Um, my favourite moment was probably the aqueduct. I loved working with the team that I did, Eamon, Kevin, Jamal. It was a really special scene. Um, I would just say all the times when it was um, me with all the witches. Like, I just, I just found that dynamic so funny. Like, me amongst all these, like, six-foot-two men. <laughs> 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 just, like, little me in a white dress. It was just, like, something about it which was hysterical and... And sort of, I felt like I could just tease them all because I was in that sort of, I don't know. They were like my older brothers, all of them. Yeah. So, yeah. And it really <laughs> called back to that knucklebone scene we see, like, in the very, very beginning of season one. You really have come, come your tomboy way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Henry, what, what, what was your favourite scene? Um, it's, I mean, it's tough to say favourite scene, to be honest. Uh, tough to say favourite moment. But I, I think my favourite moment is, or my favourite time was during the Lake District. It was so stunning up there, and yeah. uh, it was—it just felt like a hobbit was going to walk around the corner every five seconds, <laughs> and and uh, in a good way. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Ooh, and um, I I loved it up there, and I I love location work. I feel you can really draw from the environment around you, and and we're in a fantasy show like this, and you can really transport yourself there, especially if you're looking that way, and all you have is another character in costume, and you can't Aww, see the camera crew yeah, or anything. And you just think, I'm, it's I'm here, I, I'm existing within it. And, and that stuff is extraordinary. Thank you so much for joining me today. Uh, I feel a lot more magical having spent time with all of you. Next, I have three strapping witchers joining me, so I'm going to need some room on my chairs. Thank you for being here. Let's give you all a proper introduction. Yasin Ator, who plays Geralt's witcher, brother-in-arms, Cohen. Thank you. Paul Bullion, who plays the gruff but lovable Lambert, known to his <laughs> friends as Lamb Chop. <laughs> the wisest of witchers, Vesemir, is played by the brilliant Kim Bodnia. And of course, she's a true witcher at heart. Our showrunner, Lauren Schmidt-Hisrick. Thank you so much for being here. All of you, I have so many questions for you. Lauren, first. Um, Thank you for introducing so many new witchers to the universe, only to brutally murder them in season two. Yeah, a lot of them. <laughs> that was awesome. Why did you do that? <laughs> I mean, so much of season two is about the fact that uh, is is the Witcher Brotherhood over? I mean, that's really what Vesemir's character is dealing with all season. Is this emotional sense of is this the end of of life as we know it for witchers? So. Of course, we had to kill more. We had to make it more painful for him. <laughs> you know, we really were sort of... Sorry. <laughs> we just wanted to make sure that we were really driving home that point, that the continent is constantly changing, and is there a place for witchers anymore? You clearly have a love for expanding on the Witcher universe, um, both in season two, in Nightmare of the Wolf anime. It's amazing. Watch it if you haven't seen it, audience. So talk us through how you established the Witcher characters portrayed by these lovely gentlemen here. What was important to capture with each of their characters? 
So we really went back to the books for all three of these characters. And the most important thing to me is that the Brotherhood felt like individuals that were part of an entity and not just an entity. So, you know, it was really important to me when Geralt goes back to his childhood home that we understand that he has different relationships with all of these gentlemen. Yeah. And they have different relationships with him. And there's jealousy there, there's, there's love there, there's disappointment there at times. And then we wanted to make sure that those relationships carried over to Siri. Um, Paul, we see you helping Siri with her Witcher training a lot this season. Um, talk to me about all those obstacle course scenes at Kermoran. Did you enjoy watching Freya suffer as much as Lambert loves <laughs> torturing Siri? Because you loved it a lot. It was my favorite thing to film, uh, definitely. Um, and my relationship with, with Freya um, uh, was full of laughter. So we were able to, to kind of laugh our way through it. But um, I, I was just very impressed by Freya and that whole, that whole sequence. You know, I'd look up, I'd see her stunt double lining up the shot and then I'll be chatting away to Yas and I'd look back up and I'll go, oh no, wait, it's Freya. Like she, she was just so brave and consistent in everything that she did, that sequence. And uh, yeah, I was like, no, nope, that's not her stunt double. That's Freya <laughs> hanging in a harness, <laughs> throwing herself around. Like it's just very impressive, um, fearless and uh, yeah, hats off to her. She she really is brilliant. Yeah, you can and you know that quality of love underneath the gruff sort of toughness really made your character likable in a way where I think it could have gone bad. Like people could have been like, I don't like that guy. He's being mean to her. But yeah. really, those layers that you add in your performance really brought out the uh, a sense of um, mentorship. In, no, I in appreciate her. that. And um, thanks for your kind words. I mean, I just uh, I always feel like people just aren't. They're not just bad. They behave like that for a reason, and it normally comes from a place of insecurity. So you know, I spoke a lot about why Lambert is the way he is, you know, a bit of an avoidant personality. He likes what he likes. He doesn't really like change. And, uh, and Siri really challenges Lambert in how he reacts to things. She doesn't go anywhere. You know, he's used to having people back down. He's a big, gruff witcher. So if I say, you don't want to do this or you shouldn't want to do this, you expect someone to back down, but, you know, uh, yeah, Siri being serial, so I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I want to be a witcher. Yeah. I want to do what a witcher does. And I think he's not used to that. So it really challenges how he reacts and how he sees things. And that's why I think, you know, Siri is such an important character to Lambert, I think. Yeah, she really pushes everyone's growth a mm. little bit. Uh, Yasin, if Lambert is the pain in the neck brother to <laughs> Siri, <laughs> you are definitely the kinder, more considerate sibling. We see Cohen take Siri under his wing in Caramoran. Do you think Cohen's caring side goes against the typical witcher stereotype? What I find fascinating about that question is throughout the show, throughout season one and season two, we hear that witches don't have emotions and it goes against everything, but what we see is something completely different. You know, we, we follow Geralt searching for this, for this girl, you know, throughout the whole season. And then we see his love and then we meet Vesemir and then we see the love that he has for his children, you know? And it's, and it's, it's always strange to me. We hear it, but what we see is completely different. Kim, I was super excited to see that anime and get to know a little bit more about Vesemir's backstory. How was it playing such a character with a rich backstory like this? Thank you for doing that because I, 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 you told me when we were shooting that you wanted to make this, this is a family story. And we're going deep, deeper into the emotional stuff. And we're gonna tell everybody who Vesemir was when he was young. 
I was so happy to see it when it came out. It was so fun to be young as a business. <laughs> I almost forgot how fun I had. You know? <laughs> and, 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 and I was very, very, very proud to see that. It was so well made. I love manga t uh, drawing so well and, and the music and the voice of his, the timing and connecting with America and, and Japanese styles was incredible good. So I was so happy that, that I was allowed to do, uh, mm -hmm. to see and it. And did you see it before you acted on, the, or did you see it after filming? I saw it when it came out, like you guys, you yeah. know? So it was after uh, I have been doing the job for, for Vesemir, yes. And I think, you know, what you said, yes, is really, really important, which is that witchers are known to not have emotions, which is something that humans have kind of concocted so that they can treat witchers poorly. But witchers have taken on that mantle because it allows them to do their jobs without really caring about any effects. They can just go in and kill and say, I do it just for money, no other reason, and I can leave. And what I think we explore with Vesemir's character is just how not true that is. And there is this... Um this history in Vesemir, and he is the keeper of Witcher history. It's something that's explored in Nightmare of the Wolf a lot more, but we wanted to continue it here. And I think one of my favorite scenes is, and you'll know the one I'm talking about, it's, it's you and Freya. It is, uh, you know, Ciri and Vesemir walking through the Kermoran lab, and we hear Vesemir's retelling of the deaths of the Witchers and why suddenly he thinks that Ciri could be their savior. And it's that type of optimism that is really important to Vesemir. Yeah. Eskel's death in episode two. Yes. It was very traumatic. Mm -hmm. Can you explain your decision to kill him off so soon? Because people want to know. Yes, people definitely want to know. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. Well, we, we knew we had to kill someone in that episode. We knew that we wanted a monster to enter Kaer Morin and have something to do with Ciri. And both Geralt and, and Vesemir and the brothers realized that bringing this girl into their Witcher keep is going to fundamentally change things. And in all honesty, the very first version of the script we wrote was a brand new Witcher that we'd never met before, we'd never heard of, and all of a sudden we were like, oh, our audience is going to meet Cohen and Lambert and Eskel and, you know, John. Who's going to die? John is going to die. Um, so we, we thought about it really hard. And I know that there are fans who love Eskel um, and who feel like, like, why would we do that? But honestly, his death is what changes everything for Geralt. And I think it propels Geralt's need to figure out what's going on with Ciri and to, to do it fast because he knows that he has, he's going to risk losing her and his brothers if he doesn't. And we really just wanted to motivate that character journey for him. Yeah. Well, you don't kill somebody unless people care about them, right? It's true. So it's, it's an honor, right? That's what they tell you. Yes. It kills you because yeah. as an actor, you love to hear that. Well, also, I'm... it keeps us on our toes. Yes, true. Because like, now we're like, no one's safe. Yeah, absolutely. So... You're just so, you're, you're scrolling through the PDF. Am I dead? Am I dead? Every, every, every time I got a script through, I was going, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. And I'd get a phone call as well from him, like, ah, where have you been? Well, you guys survived, and the audience cannot wait to see more of you. So a lot of fun went down at Caramoran, but it built up to what we could call the monster mash at the end. <laughs> Witchers versus basilisks versus Vola Siri. Talk us through shooting that epic fight together. Um, how were the basilisks on set? Were they just super divas? Oh, I loved it. I loved it because you're doing something so epic, and you know that it's going to look epic, but essentially you've got, uh, like, Stuntmen in spandex operating <laughs> uh, puppet heads, foam puppet heads, <laughs> all in bright, bright green. So you sometimes, I sometimes would giggle because I'd catch myself being all trying to be all stoic and serious, and then 
there's a guy in, in green spandex in front of me <laughs> waving his head. But, uh, but then you know, like, when, you, when I, you know, I saw it in ADR, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> okay, great. But it was brilliant. And, you know, the long, long days, but we're able to, I think everybody was just so hyped to be doing it. It was, it was lovely. Yeah, yeah. Had you ever done that kind of fighting? Not before? like that. Okay. <laughs> Not like that. I remember, I remember we, we had a, we had a, I had a small kip before we went to do one of the, like, the first time actually that they were on set, right? Yeah. And I was, I, I woke up, and I was still in a daze and I was like, you know, checks and everything. I walked onto set and like you said, I just saw two like green condoms just, <laughs> just, just staring me in the face and I was still like trying to just kind of wake up a little bit. I was like, what on earth is going on here with these big heads? And they were like, we're gonna fight that. And I was like, all right. And I said to Lam, what the hell is that? And he was like, I spent the basilisk coin. <laughs> I was like, okay. Kim, you had so many wonderful dramatic moments during those fight sequences. How do you ground yourself in the reality of your character when all these, I mean, they are kind of silly things are happening on set, but you really have to find your reality and these, uh, these kind of ridiculous things that the audience will never see, but that's what you're experiencing as a person. How do you ground yourself? I love the illusion world. I love to visualize everything. And, and you know, they're so good today that, you know, you can see everything on the, the iPads, what's going on. but. I mean, you are in a room that's, like Lawrence said, it's built one-to-one. -one. So you really get the illusion how big these monsters are. Also knowing, uh, you know, Lauren told me, we need your emotional stuff, come on. And you just gave me more and more, you know, to work with, it was like scary. The last fight is, is scary. It's so scary for me. I said, it's, it's like, why? <laughs> why didn't I see that come? Yeah. Well, it really grounds the, the whole sequence. I mean, it's not only spectacular visual-wise, but also emotionally. There's yeah. so many yeah. wonderful culminations of the season. And we really wanted that. We really wanted to put that in as a, a, a statement in, 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 because it's not normal you see so much feeling in such a big fight, you know, yeah. because it has to go fast. I remember when, when you put it together and saying these characters has to show the emotional stuff into it. So it's like a break. It's like yeah. in the fight, you, you you stop time to, to go into our emotional stuff. And, and, and that was incredible as an actor to have the opportunity to, to then you, you couldn't let it go, man. So you, you had to follow it. Eh? And it, it, it's like you're fighting and it's going so fast and you really don't know what's going on. And then it stops, time stops. And you have all your time. It's so wonderful. It's so crazy good. <laughs> was there a specific challenge in uh, Lauren in crafting that finale that you want to show the audience? <laughs> I mean, I can't imagine it was easy in any way, but what was the biggest challenge? Um, there, there were so, so many challenges. I mean, COVID, let's start with that. Um, but no, I mean, I think it, it, Kim kind of landed on it, which is, I think that so often epic battles lose their emotionality. And yet what we learned, is, honestly, through our fight sequences in season one is that without changing, uh, if, if a battle doesn't change a character, if a fight doesn't change a character, then it's not worth doing. And Kim is absolutely right. So much of a, a battle is about frenetic pace, is, is about making sure that it looks cool. 
And yet constantly we'd be stopping on set to say, no, we need to land on Vesemir in this moment. We need to land on Lambert and Cohen as they're realizing that these monsters are coming into their home and that shouldn't be able to happen. So it really was about um, timing it all out and, and asking these brilliant actors to trust what felt like a weird rhythm on the day that we would be able to build it. And I think, I mean, honestly, I think it's the biggest thing we've ever done and uh, one of my favorites. It's incredibly epic and um, because those emotional things were in it, you remember it more. Um, Kim, Vesemir's most pressing concern throughout the season is continuing the Witcher way of life. In the final showdown, we sadly saw a lot of Witcher deaths. So do you think Vesemir has given up on his plan to use Ciri's elder blood to try to make more Witchers? No. <laughs> no, yeah. definitely not. I, I'm thinking about it all the time, even now. It, 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 it's so grounded in me that, that we have to continue going on, especially now when Monsters is really taking over. There is a reason why we are here in, in, in the Witcher world, you know? And it's not getting less necessary to have them now. So if, if, if we really need a light in the darkness and a hope, we, we, we should get back now. We, we can't wait. It's like, and this firefucker, what the fuck, you know? It's like, <laughs> he's still, he's staying pain in the ass for me, you know? I was like, you know, that's, not, that's why I'm crying in front of the firework. What the fuck? I mean. Yeah. Well, I can't wait to see those story points come to life. <laughs> Especially you and the firefucker. <laughs> At last, what would you two like to see from Lambert and Cohen in the future? You have your opportunity, the showrunners right now, pitch your season three ideas. Okay, Lauren, open mind. Okay. Okay, I want you to think fantasy meets sci-fi. So basically, witches and space. <laughs> We've actually got something for you. Oh God. Like literally we have a script slash treatment. Okay. And it's called Cohen and Lamb Chop. <laughs> Episode one. No, no, this is like, this Seriously. is not, this is, this is this not is funny. Sorry. Otherwise we'll go to Disney. Oh, okay. Like, okay. it's as simple as that. We're meeting Disney Please, week. keep an open mind, okay. Okay. read it. Vesemir survives. Okay. I'm not sure about Geralt and Yennefer and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> Yaski is in it. He turns into a lizard, but we'll come back to that I later. I see words, lizard. Yes. Rare cell disease. Yep. Twin sister. Yes. Yep. <laughs> On the planet Bantil. Yes. Give me that. Yes. I'll hide it for you to awkwardly <laughs> throw away later. We tried. We tried. You we tried, tried and I admire you. Every actor in the world admires you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been such an honor. Lauren, I'm just going to keep you a little bit longer. Thank you, Witchers. <laughs> Thank you. Time for another deleted scene. You can't say we aren't spoiling you. Let's check in with the mages of season two and a clip from Artuza. You came late to a folk that the forts. Born of a prostitute, abandoned in a sewer. Your magic shaped by the ignorant druids who picked you up. It's impressive, really how high you managed to rise above your station. Perhaps that depth of life experience honed my instincts, gave me the hunch that saved your ass. And so even-tempered. Do you really think you're qualified to lead the Brotherhood? A bastard who never attended Banhart and clearly doesn't respect our code of ethics. Well, 
All mages are equal before the law. Oh, now, now. Some are more equal than others. I'm referring to the band use of fire magic, of course. I was there. I know what she did. Then you also know there's always a cost. The flames should have destroyed her, yet she was untouched. There's something unnatural in her. And there's something unnatural in how entrenched your protege is with Nilfgaard. Israel is loyal. He was the first to inform us of Yennefer's lineage. Even you can't be stupid enough to believe your own rhetoric. That her elven blood is a threat to us. Then what about her rage? Her tempestuousness? Then again, you understand those all too well, don't you? attention <laughs> so lauren you know all the secrets i'm going to ask you some questions you probably can't answer okay and i'll just have to deal with it by <laughs> crying myself to sleep tonight can you please 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 tease anything about the moves vilga is going to make in season three <laughs> no <laughs> i said please uh, you did say please okay but what was so interesting about this scene in particular is that we have talked a lot uh, as a writer's room, about how to roll out the information about Vilgefortz. We did know that in, in season one, he kind of appeared out of nowhere. And that's because he has a sort of deep history that we don't know about. It's just, we started to lean into it this season, and then ultimately we decided it's way too soon. Yeah. So you'll just have to wait. You'll have to watch season three. I have so many questions about the finale. And can we start by talking a little bit about Volith Mir for a second? She is not in the books. It was quite a finale. So where does this creature come from? So I can answer that in two parts, which is Volothmir herself, the Deathless Mother, she's based on the mythology of Baba Yaga. And one of the reasons that we chose specifically Baba Yaga is we found that it was a, a monster that basically every culture has a version of. Um, one of the things that we love that Sapkowski does when he finds his monsters, when he creates his stories, is he pulls from lore all over the world. He was a traveling salesman. Mm -hmm. So when he started writing these stories, he had all of these different inspirations to pull from. So we always think about that when we're creating new monsters. Now, why did we create a new monster? So uh, Blood of Elves, I have to say, was terrifying to me in terms of adaptation. Um, I found it so much more difficult in some ways than season one and certainly more difficult than what I know is coming down the pike um, because it's a book that's a lot about character relationships and character movements, but not a lot of forward propelling action. And I think our fans of The Witcher expect sort of an active roller coaster for eight episodes. So we started to talk about how to introduce a season-long villain, not just the monsters that Geralt is fighting in every episode. And furthermore, we talked about how that villain could start to tie together Yennefer stories, uh, Geralt story, Ciri's story, without them all being, you know, on screen together yet. So obviously, Volothmir comes in and out of all of their worlds and then collides in the finale. That's interesting you say that about, you know, the forward momentum of the book not being there, but really it's about weaving a tapestry of characters who are intertwined in such amazing ways. I, the intricacies of where the storylines are going in and out, it's just so wonderful. And by the end, you have this incredible feeling of wholeness of, <laughs> I cannot wait to see where all of them go. <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit more about the other big bad, the Wild Hunt. Yes. Now, this is gonna be such a huge talking point for fans as you probably know. Uh, talk to me about bringing them into the season and what you're teasing with the promise that Ciri 
belongs to them. Right. So the wild hunt is notoriously not really introduced in the books until the time of contempt, um, which is honestly my favorite book in the saga, and I cannot cannot wait to adapt it. But because The Wild Hunt is so familiar to so many of our fans, video game fans, honestly, The Witcher 3, <laughs> um, we started to plant the lore of The Wild Hunt as early as the pilot. Um, you know, Ace actually refers to the Wraiths of Morhog, and we get the sense that they are this um, omen of war, you know? In season two, uh, Nivlim, you know, talks about, like, basically, they precede doom, a portent of doom, he says. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that by the time we met them, honestly, we were thoroughly scared of them. So we started playing with the idea of, of what, what are they? We know from the books that they are spectral, but we also know that by the time they actually kind of... Um, interact with Siri more, there's a bit more tangibility to them. Yeah. So that's what we wanted to start playing this season, which is this idea of, of these ghosts in the sky. Some people believe in them, some people don't. They're more of just this, you know, uh, urban legend, if you will. And when they tease that Siri belongs to them, what we're hopefully gonna lead viewers to believe is that there is a lot more history of Siri herself, her lineage, her bloodline, things that we know now that Calanthe has hidden from her, uh, perhaps some connections to Lara Doran that we have teased this season as well. So all of that is gonna come out in the wash uh, next season. Well, I love the fact that you say you planted. You, I saw that. I mean, honestly, this show, w the more you watch it, the more I admire personally, and as a fan, I'm sure fans do too, how you have planted these seeds that come to bloom later, so much later, and they're even just tossed off, and yet they come, to, they are a whole storyline later. It's so wonderful for fans. Um, it is uh, most of the time on purpose, sometimes just the most amazing coincidence oh, that we're like, oh, thank God someone said that in season one. Oh, wow. We're gonna, we're gonna make that work. <laughs> Let's take a look at some of the other characters from the season. In our finale, we have the head of Redanian intelligence, Dijkstra, mm -hmm. scheming with Philippa Eilhart. Yes. So these characters being this really awesome dynamic to the screen, especially because they seem to know everything about Siri, stalkering much. <laughs> Can you hit in what you're setting up with these two characters? Absolutely. So, you know, in season one, we really started to set the political chessboard. So Sintra was obviously very important, and we knew that Nilfgaard was going to be important. And then we've heard of these other kingdoms. We see Tamaria a little bit when, when Geralt fights the Striga. But we haven't really delved into one of the kingdoms in the way that we are going to with Redania. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted, again, to start teasing who these characters were. We don't know a lot about them this season. Um, it, certainly we don't know a lot about them personally. Mm -hmm. They're more just sort of adversarial um, for Tissaia specifically. And when Dijkstra appears at uh, Artuza this season, there is this sense that he is there kind of reading the room. And Tissaia is smart enough to know it. He's just come with gossip, but she knows obviously there's something that he wants from us. And that thing is Siri, of course. And what we wanted to do is make sure that by the end of the season, we understood just how many people are after this poor girl. Um, you know, she feels safe by the end of episode eight. She has found her family. She's with Yennefer. She's with Geralt. And it's like, everything's going to be okay. I except it's not. It's really not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whenever you have a happy moment between characters, you're like, oh, that's going to go badly for them next season. <laughs> In a, such a delicious way, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, it, it, because... It's one of the things that we found most important about what Sapkowski did in the novels, right? Is that 
every single character has some sort of underbelly. It's not even necessarily a dark underbelly, but it's a secret that they're hiding. It is a personal agenda. Um, and what I love is that we really get to play with those shades of gray. None of our characters are black and white. Everyone, you know, none of them are, they're all, all good or all evil. We really get to play with different sides of characters, which and is it, delicious. It is delicious, and it busts a lot of cliches of the genre. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lauren, it's a great reveal in the books that Emir is Siri's dad. Big reveal. Can you talk about how you built up to it and why you wanted to end the season on this specific twist? So this is probably the thing that we debated most in the writer's room. And I have so many different versions of the finale that spoiled very different things. Oh. And the truth of the matter is we were basically divided as a writer's room. Are we ready to let the audiences in on this secret, especially when our characters don't know yet? And that's always sort of dangerous because you could feel like your characters are behind in the story. Or what we're going to lean into is the suspense of the audience knowing what's coming and how and when are our characters going to figure it out. Um, but let's be honest, that shift, bringing that story up, it's logistical more than anything. We really wanted to start to understand the Nilfgaardian Empire, and there's no way to understand it without digging into Amir a little bit more. This also goes to, you know, the two sides of characters, right? Which is, throughout the first season, Nilfgaard is, is the evil empire, mm -hmm. and yet... I don't think they think of themselves as evil. They think they're doing the right thing. So we wanted to start to reveal that side as well. And as soon as we see Amir again, we're going to know that he's Dooney. <laughs> um, we talked about recasting. We talked about aging him up so much that you didn't recognize him. But those actually felt like we were going out of our way to hide a secret from the audience that it felt like the right time to do it. And now we can actually dig into Amir and why exactly he wants his daughter back so badly. Absolutely. Yeah, he's a fascinating character. In the final lines of the season, it's revealed that Amir himself ordered the killing of Francesca's baby. Can you explore his motives for us? What is his evil, evil deal? Because it's not good. <laughs> it is not good. And that's something actually that we're delving into a lot more in season three. So I don't want don't to give that away too okay, much. Okay. But what that really did for us is it allowed us to show just how far Fringilla and Kahir were willing to go. You know, Fringilla has made uh, a friend in Francesca this year. One of my favorite scenes is them realizing that they like being partners. There's, there's no like forward story movement there. It really is just about two women actually realizing that they can be partners and not competitors. Mm -hmm. So that was super important to me. And yet realizing that Fringilla's sort of quest for power may start to outweigh her desire to have this friendship and how is she going to do both. So we thought that was a really interesting undercutting uh, of what we have seen in her journey this season. And then she needs to redeem herself in season three. Yeah, that, that was a very impactful scene. It was wonderfully Bechtelian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we last properly saw Dooney in season one, where Geralt claims the law of surprise from him. Can you help us fill in the gaps of what Dooney's been doing between seasons one and seasons two, other than obviously some kind of glow up? <laughs> Serious glow up. Um, <laughs> again, that's something else that we'll talk a lot about in season three, because obviously he has a plan. Um, we see in series Dolduja, we hear sort of the story that that. Pavetta was going to get on a boat. Dooney was going to bring baby Siri under the cover of darkness, and they were going to sneak away. The reason being is because people around uh, their family were starting to realize that uh, Siri, there was something uh, a little bit bigger and better about her. Returning to the idea of Ithleen's prophecy, that again is one of those things like the Wild Hunt that we've been teasing from the very beginning. And for book readers, they know that that trip on the boat didn't end exactly as 
as planned, mm-hmm. and that is the night that Siri's parents died, except for clearly died. Pavetta died, yeah. and uh, and Dooney did not. And Dooney then had to start to form a plan with uh, with a, a, a new partner. That's what we're going to dig into in season three. Now, I have a question for you. If you notice, there's one of my favorite little sort of Easter egg moments okay. in episode eight, which is Siri is in the, um, the illusion fantasy. Mm-hmm. And she is starting to realize that she has her choice. She can either stay in the past with her family or she can move into the present toward her new family, Geralt and Yen. Obviously, that's what she does. Yeah. And to demonstrate that, her family starts disappearing into dust mm-hmm. and going back to um, their form, you know, which is is dead. They were dead. Yeah. Um, did you notice that in the final shot, Pavetta turns to dust and disappears, but Dooney does, does not. Does not. He, he did. Does not. Yes, yes, I did notice that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is because he is not dead. <laughs> wow. And so that's, I mean, it's so wonderful. It's so wonderful. Ah, I love this show so much. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of looking ahead this season, we also dipped a lot into the history of the continent with the monoliths and the conjunction of the spheres. Since we're getting the prequel Blood Origin before season three, how do you plant the seeds for the new series in season two? Do we have seeds, Easter eggs? You absolutely have Easter eggs. So one of our goals has been to understand how this continent came to be. And it's one of the reasons actually that we chose to make Istrid uh, a bigger character than he is in the books. Um, We love the story shard of ice in the books and we love that eventual love triangle um, uh, over Yennefer between Istrid and Geralt. But as soon as we introduced Istrid, Royce Pearson was so delightful in this role. And we realized that we had We had a character that we could use to explore the history of the continent because he is a scholar, he is a historian, he's a researcher. And it was really helpful to put a voice to the things that we really needed our audience to understand. Like, what are these monoliths? Why are they here? What are they doing? Mm. Obviously, he and Geralt have a sort of in-depth conversation about them this season, revealing that there there is much more to the conjunction of the spheres than we thought. That conversation and a couple of other things throughout the season mm. will all be laid into Blood Origin. Wow, I cannot wait. I mean, the cast for that is so incredible. When you mentioned that one scene, I have to tell you, one of my highlights of the whole, I know this isn't about me, but... <laughs> no, tell me. <laughs> one of the highlights of the whole season was Geralt's reaction to hearing that he loved... I have never seen an actor do so much with so little. Yes. There are so many beautiful moments. But that one, oh my gosh, I just... Couldn't, I couldn't deal. <laughs> and to me, it's like the two men, that moment where Istrid calls her Yenna. You know Yenna. Yen. And they just face each other and they both know in that Uh-oh. moment that we, we have our own names for her. We obviously have deep intimacy and love for her. And yes. Yeah, I don't mean, I, I can't wait. I don't know if it's gonna happen, but if that, the three of them meet, oh boy, I can't. <laughs> anyway, I could go on forever, but Lauren, thank you so much for letting me geek out with you over your show. As a fan, I can't wait to see what comes for the Witcher franchise. Thank you so much. This is so much fun. And I love talking about the finale. I haven't been able to at all. I must Let's be a little bit of relief. Yeah, I know. It's really fun for fans to, to see this, but I, I just really urge everyone, watch it again, because not only are the Easter eggs there that Lauren just mentioned, there are a ton more. Yeah. I mean, just even with the graphics coming in for each uh, the beginning of each episode, yep. being different and thematically tied to the episode, it's just fantastic. It really is. So, Great. yay. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. Join us in 2022 for more episodes of Unlocked, where we'll break down your favorite geeky Netflix shows. Until then, let's remember the true hero of season two. Roach, gone but never forgotten. 
Enjoy your last walk across the meadow and through the mist. Be not afraid of her, for she is your friend. <laughs>